The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker. I'm going to teach you how to make money in up and down markets. Very few podcasters or coaches cover this. I'll show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses to make you a better investor. So once a week, you're going to know what's going on in the world and the stock market. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker. This is the Stock Market Authority. It is uh, Wednesday, the 28th at uh, 10 a.m., and uh, how you can make how you can make money again in 2023. On this show, I'm going to discuss the most promising areas I see for next year, responding to many of your questions. I'll open the mailbag to discuss Google and other stocks, ETFs that you've asked about. Lastly, I'll describe how we made money in 2022, this down market, and how you can profit next year. Now, my voice. Uh, I was sick as a dog. Went to the Pats game with my sons. Susan and I took them for Christmas. And I sat in seven-degree weather for, uh, uh, for, for seven hours and watched the worst football I've ever seen. And so I apologize that uh, I've dropped an octave and I'm scaring young children with this voice that I have. But anyway, uh, I'll sound better next week. Please go to my website before I forget. Go to stockmarketauthority.com. Sign up for free for my newsletter. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast wherever you go, Spotify, Apple, etc. Follow me on your favorite social Social media where I break in with new stuff and you're smart people but I have lawyers and this is not financial advice I don't know your situation in and out our top story how you can make money again in 2023 and I emphasize the you and the again because I talk to hundreds of people every single week and we're up and they're all down. And if you're down, I apologize, but I hope I can be an antidote to that. I started this two and a half years ago for my sons, Bobby and Jack, when they were in college. And I said, how can we make money every single year? The the pros can't do it. You can, I can, and now I'm proving it. And so I want you to join along and and take my 25 plus years of experience and make money next year. You can't do anything about the past except learn from it and and prosper in the future. And I really want you to do that. My first topic is Cantrell, Mike Cantrowitz uh, from Piper. And I talk about him a lot, but I wanted to, he has this hope framework, uh, housing, orders, profits, and employment. Housing still stinks, Orders, the PMI still stink. Profits are going down and the estimates are going down and employment is just starting to get really worse. So, uh, you know, we have that backdrop to, to start with. And then, you know, People come to me and to Cantro and say, everybody's bearish. And I say, and he says, actions speak louder than words. He passed along this Thomas Callum uh, 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 tweet and chart that shows the flows into all equity funds. Well, if you're bearish, you haven't really sold a lot of stock, meaning all of us, the investors writ large. And... Uh, I was surprised by this. I mean, down 20% for the S&P and a lot of the lower tier 
companies and indices are down a lot. It's tax loss selling season. And I would have thought you would have seen a lot of people saying, I've had it. I'm out. I'm at least going to reduce my exposure. It's not happening. It's you look at this chart. We've barely started to see, uh, uh, you know, people lessening their exposure to equities, which is what happens at bottoms. And at real bottoms, you see that lower end where people just say, "I'm." Stocks are never going up again, and I'm out. Of course, that doesn't happen, but we're emotional beings, and that's what it feels like. We have not even come close to capitulation. So uh, I use Cantro's framework as, as one part of my stool. My main part is my looking at the thousands of ETFs that are out there for for opportunities. And I, you know, I'm not coming up with a reason why the market's going to be up meaningfully next year. Outflows have hardly begun for the good funds. Kathy Wood's fund, ARC, which is going to be probably the worst fund or close to it this year and over the last five, she's only seen $40 million in outflows in December. And I'm just astonished by that. At some point, people are going to say, you know, this innovation um, uh, theme is, is, is way secondary to making money and preserving money. And it's just, it's not working. So uh, we have the Cantrell uh, framework. The, the, uh, I look at the homes, H-O-M-Z, the housing-related stocks, the homes, I'm sorry, the, the uh, Home Depot, the Lowe's, the, the Lenars, the Toll Brothers, they're not doing anything yet. I didn't put the chart in here because I didn't want to overburden Chrissy. But, um, uh, it, it, you know, the homes are still ugly. Now, I want you to realize this. You know, y- you can look for bottoms if you want. No one's looking harder than me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ring the bell really, really hard when I see all three of my pillars start to, to be, be strengthened. And I'm going to say, okay, get ready. Get ready. So I want you to tune in because I'm not going to be vague about this. I'm going to be as subtle as a two-by-four. So uh, to cut to the chase, stocks are going down in 2023 in general. In my opinion, there's more downside, and I don't, I don't want you to buy into this, oh, the Fed's going to pivot, there's going to be a bottom. Uh, no, it's not here yet. I'm sorry to be like that, but again, I just want to make money. And um, so I'm going to go to my next thought. Uh, you know, bear markets, people say, oh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, uh, you know, we're down 20% and it's been a year. Well, here's the average bear market. Uh, it's down 1.3 years and it goes down 38%. So, so far we've been down a year and we're down 20%, which when you're t- talking about the Fed uh, changing the monetary landscape, raising interest rates substantially and stopping to buy bonds and letting bonds come off their balance sheet, tightening money for everything, which you're probably seeing in your own life with credit card bills and, and, and mortgage rates, etc. My point being that this is an average that goes back to 1926. So I'm not going to be a slave to it, and I don't want you either. But bear markets last longer than, than what we've had. That's the first point. Second of all, the percentage usually goes down more. Now, I'm going to be a bit optimistic. You obviously see... Uh, 70% of the time stocks go up because this is the greatest country on God's earth. We're capitalists and we all want to build a better 
business, a new solution to problems, a new healthcare breakthrough, and it's fabulous. But you need every now and then to have a forest fire. It takes 100 years to grow a forest. It takes a drunk with a match in an afternoon to burn it down. Bit extreme, but you get the idea. Construction takes longer than destruction. So we're still in that 30% where stocks are going down. And uh, I just want to give you that historical context in case you haven't studied this so that you don't fall into the CNBC trap of is the bottom in yet? Stop looking for it, okay? I'll tell you when it's around, but we're not there yet. And um, uh, I think we have a way to go. My third part of this, and I really, I try to keep my... my uh, uh, biases to a minimum. I really do. I don't succeed 100%. I'm not going to kid you. But what I do, when I go through all my charts, I literally cover up the left top of the screen so so that I don't see the stock or the symbol. And Guy Adami has talked about this in the On the Tape podcast several times, that if I showed you this chart, and then I said to you, there's going to be mid-single digits, maybe high single-digit earnings growth, and it's trading at 20 times, and the chart looked like this, would you touch it? And my answer is, absolutely not. Well, the problem is, it's Apple. And Apple's the number two name in the S&P. Microsoft just became more significant. And Apple looks like it's rolling over still and going down. And I can't come up with a bull case where I should trade this should trade at 20 times or the E is going to go up meaningfully for this battleship that is Apple. So it's just time, folks. It's, it's, uh, it's rolling over. We're here at, uh, at, at 1.30 or so. And I'm not going to be shocked if it kind of hits, you know, pre-COVID levels of 80. And um, so you've got Cantro, you've got me, you've got the, the average of the bear markets that are out there. And you have this, uh, uh, this Apple chart, the number two name in the S&P. If things start to look better, believe me, I'm going to alert you. But for, for now, to answer all the questions, 2023 is, um, it looks like it's going to be a, a down year for stocks. Oh, and I know that there's a thousand financial advisors are out there that are saying there's only been, I think, three or four other times, 73, 74, the Great Depression, 2000, where stocks are down two years in a row. Okay, I understand that, but I hope they had better looking charts than I have in front of me right now. And they're kind of explaining, hey, you had a lousy year, but you're not going to have, or I created a lousy year for you. I'm not going to be lousy next year. I understand why they do it. They're very well-meaning folks, and they're in the business of not losing too much money. But uh, I think stocks can go down this year, certainly for the first half. And with what I just laid out, I feel pretty confident about that. So, you know, Come back at me where I'm wrong, but that's what I, uh, I'm, I'm an umpire here and I'm calling them like I'm seeing them. Uh, please go to my website, folks, uh, stockmarketauthority.com. Please uh, sign up for free for my newsletter. I sent out alert today. Again, highlighting the, the recent calls I made on Tesla, for example, that I think prove I'm pretty good at this. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast, so if you're walking the dog and working out, you can hear me, at least by audio. Uh, Follow on your favorite social media, especially Twitter and and TikTok, for that matter. That's becoming a good following. And this isn't financial advice, and you're smart people. And um, uh, we had a fabulous mailbag this week. 
there's a letter in your mailbox. You got mail. Uh, David from California came in, and this is unbelievable. Uh, it's almost uh, uh, karma. Uh, asked about Google. And literally, as I'm going to pull up my Google chart, which is, you know, a, probably a five or six name in the S&P 500, I'm listening to the All In podcast with uh, Jason Calacanis and his three, what he calls besties, his best friends. And at 28 minutes, he talks about chat GPT. And I'm not immersed in AI, believe me, by any stretch of the imagination. But this has been been lighting up on Twitter. Uh, and in essence, Jason puts together a, a very solid case why this could be really damaging for Google's search engine business, where... Uh, you, and it's also it would divorce the 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 search uh, uh, results from the advertising that is the lifeblood of the Google business model. And when everybody says, "Oh, these are unassailable business models," and and the moat is so wide, there's always someone who wants to swim across it. Chat GPT looks like a pretty strong swimmer. In this case, now uh, go Google it. But in essence, it's an AI engine that that you know can write text for you after you feed it some prompts. Uh, can can come up with music, can, and but can create search results. And um, uh, you know this is not going to impact Google's earnings call in January or March. But there's going to be questions about it, and people are going to be testing out. The search results versus uh, Chat GPT, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a long-term negative that, at, the, at a minimum, constrains the multiple going forward. Uh, it's also uh, Chat GPT is partnered with Microsoft, so it's going to be a mild benefit for that behemoth. So. Uh, I, I put it, uh, the, the link in the description, go to about, listen to the whole thing, frankly, uh, but go to 28 minutes and, and go to this component. As an aside, Elon, they did this from Twitter HQ, Twitter, uh, Elon comes on for about 15 minutes or so, talks entirely about Twitter and doesn't say a syllable about Tesla, which has gone from 414 to 110. Uh, fascinating to me, in my opinion. As far as Google goes, and I understand the the affection people can have for this. You know, it's know what you own. I use it every day. Everybody does, etc. But my cell discipline, when you look at these arrows here, got you out at around one thirty, and that is a, a far cry from where we are at eighty eight. And pre-COVID here is 70, and I think we can go there without too much trouble. So go to all the above. I really recommend the All In podcast, and uh, I recommend that you don't own too much Google. Um, okay. Fred from New Hampshire came in and uh, asked about, uh, about Tesla. I know it comes up all the time, but it's been down 10 out of 11 straight days. It's trying to bounce today. Uh, uh, you know, there's a big problem here. And literally, I've been talking about this since the start of the year. Go back and look at this. I talked about the problems then. I talked about the break of 200 going to 163. I had a lot of people tell me that no intelligent person would sell under 200. Well, Elon Musk is an intelligent person, and he sold like crazy. Maybe because he had to, and maybe because the margin calls are coming. But anyway, this is a broken story, folks. 
And I had this, the, the, the topic of the, of the podcast two or three weeks ago, the fact it can always go lower. I don't care what it is. And the fact that people are talking about it's down 70% year to date does not matter. It had no business being at 414, and the business has clearly trained, just uh, changed. Just because it's down doesn't mean it's cheap. And I want you to hear that again. Just because it's down doesn't mean it's cheap. And so I keep you know things simple. Number one, this is a god-awful chart, and I can see that. And I can see that this this parabolic move when it got put in the S&P 500 and Kathy Wood was talking about it with ridiculous price targets. We're now on the other side of that Matterhorn and we're going down. Uh, Very, very straightforward. And the volume is picking up substantially. Make a long story short, pun intended, 2023 earnings are now around five bucks and something, five sixty, five seventy, depending on who you look at. The consensus is around there. It's moving target. You know, I, you know, given what's going on, the they've offering seventy five hundred discounts. They just halted uh, production in Shanghai, and they're not doing that because demand is so robust that they can't keep up with it. Which used to be the bull case. They stopped talking about fifty percent growth, and I don't know what the growth's going to be, but it's not going to be fifty. And if they put up a number like four bucks next year, a twenty multiple is pretty reasonable. That gets you down to eighty, which is where this line is. And oh, by the way, Ford trades it five times. Now I usually don't like that stuff. You know, hundred-year company versus a a fifteen-year company. You know, yes, Tesla's growth prospects are much much better, but he is alienating the liberals. Uh, uh, virtue signaling and otherwise that are his customer base and his shareholder base to an extent. And uh, the the demand for the vehicles is coming down with Rivian and Lucid and Ford and and uh, GM and, and Volvo, et cetera, coming up with real competitive products. So going to 70% market share is the fun part. Having everybody come after you for that 70% share and chipping away at it is painful. And the stock is going down. And I hope I am not being vague. Sam from Pennsylvania came in and talked about Disney. Uh, I'm going to go through this next year, sort of my, and I'm going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but I talked about Disney. Kramer was, was uh, you know, uh, gushing about how, you know, Disney was a must-own and, uh, you know, subscriber growth and streaming and what have you. Well, I, who gives a shit? Pardon my language. Um, the, the stock was a sell when I talked about it up here at, uh, uh, you know, 130 or so. Uh, we're at 86 right now. The COVID low is 70. Iger's back, okay? And people are saying, oh, Bob's going to change everything. He's, he's a hero. Uh, okay, maybe, but it's not yet. And you don't have to take that on faith. The business is dramatically worse than when Bob left the first time. Streaming is a money-losing business. It's just brutal. There's too much capital flowing into streaming, and you can have nostalgic thoughts about theme parks and, 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 and the monorail and uh, the Magic Kingdom all you want. But the bottom line is this is a different business. It is a worse business. Bob is probably going to try to acquire his way out of it, and that might happen. But my point is there is no base here yet. It could form a base. 
and then launch out of that. But there's no reason you need to catch this folly knife, in my opinion. So uh, I, I was right on this before. I don't have a lot of big losers, and I've helped you avoid a lot of the big uh, declines this year. I don't want you to touch Disney at this point in time. I don't think you're going to get crushed if you you know insist on buying it here, but. Uh, I think there's a lot to prove in a very different environment than when Bob left the first time around. So as far as Disney goes, uh, uh, I've got plenty of things to look at. And that's my whole point. You don't have to be in media. You don't have to be in entertainment. You don't have to be in consumer. All you need to do is be in the the 10 best areas, which is what I try to do, that where, where things are good and getting better. And that isn't the case here now. And I don't want to have your prior experience with with a company or a stock or an industry overly influence you going in the future. I don't let it because it's just I've had the scars of, of, of my mistakes. So I've learned from that. And I want you to learn from me so that we find great things to do going into 2023 like we did 2022 which is a fabulous segue to talk about the the, the SMA, the Stock Market uh, Authority Portfolio. Uh, We're up 6%. The S&P is down 19 to 20, depending on uh, when I turn on my screen and, and how I squint and what have you. Uh, that's, you know, remarkable outperformance. Uh, I wish, you know, we were up more, obviously, I always do, but I don't make undue bets, and I cut my losses, and to the point where we're 40% plus cash. So, you know, you look at your portfolio, are you 40% plus cash, and are you up? And if the answer is no, please grab all your friends by the lapels and say, please listen to this guy. You know, subscribe and share, because, you know, it's not bragging, I've done it. Um, my sense is, and that's all it is, because I'll let this evolve uh, as the year goes on. I don't like saying, you know, I think that GDP will be X, inflation will be Y, the S&P earnings are going to be you know, $201 because I'm so precise and my spreadsheet skills are so formidable that I'm going to be right and the multiple is going to be Z and, and, and here's how we go. It doesn't work. We've seen it happen a hundred times. What does work is take what the market gives you, respond accordingly, and get in front of great opportunities. My sense right now, after going through thousands of ETFs every single month, and often, more often, is that I'm going to be taking this cash and looking for uh, largely shorts to add to as they uh, as stocks go to new lows and the, sh- and the inverse ETFs go to new highs. I think that's what's going to happen. If it's not, then I'll, I'll learn from that. But you and I have great flexibility. You know, being 40% plus in cash, there isn't a, the pros, they made a, a story in the journal a little while ago, the mutual fund cash went from like 2 to 3%. So, you know, they got to hug the index. They got to be in tech. They got to be in healthcare. They got to be in financials, even if they all stink. And uh, I want you to be in the great areas and, and, and smile as, as we talk again this time next year with, uh, with making money. Um, the SPAC chart that I have here, <coughs> pardon me, this is indicative, okay? We made money shorting SPACs. Matthew Tuttle put together SOGU, the, the short to SPAC uh, ETF, which 
basically looked at all of the, the stocks that went into SPACs, shorted them, and made money as all those stocks came down. Uh, for those of you that haven't been here before, SPAC is Special Purpose Acquisition Corp. And these are the things that bought uh, Virgin Galactic. Uh, it was the way for them to go public without having the scrutiny of an IPO, go through the Goldman Sachs underwriting process, the Morgan Stanley underwriting, uh, underwriting process, etc. DraftKings went public like this, Lucid, and you see these on the chart here, and they've just descended, uh, you know, 80% plus. DraftKings I talked about uh, in, in particular because so many of you, you know, uh, you know use it, like it, uh, uh, you know, it makes for entertainment, but it's a lousy business that's losing money. And uh, you can use products, but you don't have to invest in the stock. And this whole SPAC phenomenon is unwinding and is, you know, probably dying before our eyes. And it will probably be resuscitated in another 10 years when interest rates go back down to zero. But for now, uh, these are lousy businesses. They, some of these are going to go to zero. And uh, it's, an, it's just an example of one of the big winners that we rode and held on to as we cut our mistakes and losers so that we can be up in a down market. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do the same process until Tumman, uh, someone shows me something better to do because it flat out works. Next, uh, and this goes to... A lot of my incoming uh, calls, questions, DMs, which I love and I respond to everything, is, okay, Bakes, you had a good year. What do you see as the best areas for next year? And what they really mean by that is, please mention my stocks and my ETFs. You know, uh, uh, I own a bunch of SaaS companies. They're going to be phoenixes from the ashes, right? No, they're not. Um, you know, uh, Nvidia is going to be uh, be a big winner next year. No, it's not. So, uh, if if the if the if the charts in my work told me that was going to be the case, I'd be the first to tell you. But so the new areas that I have not pulled the trigger on yet. Okay, full disclosure, because I tell you whenever I buy something right after I do. So, uh, the precious metals are starting to act really really well, and my you know my usual. You know, MBA head, you know, rears up and says, wait a minute, gold and platinum and silver acted lousy when we printed 9.1% inflation. Why in the world is it going to act better now? And I kind of thought of that, you know, for, you know, a couple of days. And then I pulled this chart up and it shows the existence of Bitcoin over the last 13.2 years. And uh, it's... you know, Bitcoin has gathered what gold has spilled, to to you know, to put it bluntly. And then I think about what's going on with FTX, which we've been talking about way too much. But it's germane, and you're asking about it. So uh, Bitcoin's gone from sixty-seven down to seventeen thousand. It has not been an inflation hedge. It's not been a store of value. It's not been uncorrelated to the stock market. Why the heck do you own it? Very good question, and I don't know what the answer. I can't come up with a, an a, a intellectually honest answer for that. Maybe Michael Saylor at MicroStrategy can, 
but it's failed all those tests. So the only thing I can come up with is that it's not lower given all the things that FTX and, and the industry has thrown at it in terms of controversy and institution uh, killing interest in, in, uh, uh, in, this, in this area. But what I do come up with is uh, maybe it's time for gold to gather what Bitcoin spills. And as all of, of the, the bankrupt companies get liquidated, there's going to be some Bitcoin for sale. There's got to be. There's got to be. Because it's probably the most liquid thing they have that they can sell to make the investors and the shareholders and the bondholders uh, uh, and, the, and the account holders whole or close to whole. It's not going to be close. So the fact that gold is percolating almost as, as Sam Bankman-Fried gets into handcuffs uh, is very intriguing to me. I don't see anything happening yet. But it's a thesis I'm exploring, and I'd love to get your, your thoughts. Um, so that brings me to my, my next chart, silver. I'm not going to sing because my voice is like this, but I want to go burl Ives on you really badly right now. Um, this is the Silver Junior Miners, S-I-L-J. And uh, this is a pretty chart, folks, and a promising chart. And that looks like a base, and that looks like volume picking up on the, on the far left on the bottom. And uh, yes, it's the end of the year, and volume is abating, and there's a lot of people that are still uh, uh, snowbound in, in Poughkeepsie and what have you. But when they come back, as we get to January 3rd, 4th, 5th, are they going to say, you know what, I'm sick of this Bitcoin story. I want to own some, some you know, Old Testament precious metals. Um, not there yet. Uh, but but it's something I'm watching really closely, and you and I can go on this journey together. And as you come across uh, articles or podcasts that either support or refute what I'm proposing, I am all ears, and let's all make money together and have some fun. Uh, my last chart today is copper. And again, I, I cover up the, the upper left, and I try to check my biases, and I kind of go, copper? Uh, you know, we're in a recession, uh, interest rates are high. They're going to be high a while. Uh, why is copper acting better? And I've got some thoughts, but no conclusions yet. And that's okay. Uh, the chart's going to make the conclusion for me. And if it confirms, I'll buy it and I'll let you know. But does this mean that inflation uh, is not peaking and is going to go back up? Maybe not to 9.1, but it's going to go up from where we are at 7.1. Don't know. Uh, but then I think about China. China's reopening, uh, CNBC is talking breathlessly about that, about how, uh, uh, you know, they're going to let people that, that go to China uh, not to be quarantined. Uh, I can't imagine a place I would rather go less than China right now. It is so far down my list that Condé Nast doesn't have to send me uh, a brochure. Uh, I, that, that's just mind-boggling to me. But... Is China reopening? Are imports picking up? Uh, is, there, is there a housing fiasco abating so that home construction goes up and you need copper wiring? I don't know. These are all logical possibilities to me, but I haven't seen the whites of their eyes yet. Does this mean that interest rates go up or stay up uh, more than people think and that a, 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 a Powell pivot or a Fed pivot gets pushed out further into the future. I don't know. Uh, is the economy harder than we, than we all think? Our economy, the U.S. economy. 
I don't know. Is this bad for overall stocks? Uh, the one thing I will say, as I said in my podcast a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, you know, economists can't pick stocks. I've never seen it happen. But this is the best economist going. Dr. Copper is really good at, at sniffing out uh, improving uh, economic activity and then eventually stock prices. Uh, actually, the stock's sense it first, which is why I pay attention to them so much. I'm going to let you know if I pull the trigger, full disclosure, I have not done that yet. So I don't own silver. I don't own copper. But instead of looking at your old names from the prior leadership, I want you to look to these new areas. And if you can, and you can, the pros often can't, you know, I'll own 10% silver and 10% copper so fast, it'll make your head spin if, if the market tells me that's where to go and to make money in 2023 again for you. All right. Uh, much needed levity. Uh, please go to this, the description in, in the uh, uh, in, in, below the link. Uh, this is Bert Kreischer, uh, The Machine, one of his classic bits. It's a long one, but, but it is so funny. It is an absolute joke, and I recommend it highly. That is the show, folks. Please go to my website, stockmarketauthority.com. Sign up for free for my newsletter so you don't have to listen to this voice any longer. Subscribe to my YouTube channel where you do have to listen to my voice. Uh, and go to my podcast, please. Follow on your favorite social media. Write me, bakes at stockmarketauthority.com. I read and respond to everything, I swear. And uh, Twitter is at bakestakes underscore. I respond there as well. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful new year. I hope you had a great holiday. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best in 2023. Thank you very much. I'm Bakes. This is the Stock Market Authority. I'll see you soon. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.